time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. So good to have you with us this Monday, April 5th, 2021. I hope you guys all had a great Easter. I did. It's so much fun to be with family and friends. We kind of went different directions on this Easter, but it's, it's really good to hear about the various things that the families do. And we hope you had a really great Easter holiday with your loved ones and friends. So anyway, good to have you with us this Monday morning. This podcast is created by Mortgage Professionals. It is for mortgage professionals, and we're so grateful to have you as our listener. Again, a commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. And boy, do we have a good podcast for today, especially the hot topic. Alice has got so much really great information. Alan's got new insights for us. Matt's got some updated market information, and in the Hot Topic segment, we've got joining us my business partner and very good friend, Mark Helm. Fascinating background. He and I are the same age when consulting, and we consult together, and we're going to be talking about Fannie Freddie approvals, going to touch on servicing. It's going to be more than we could possibly get to, but you're going to want to stay tuned to the Hot Topic for all that we have to talk about. I want to say thank you to Industry Syndicate for inviting us to participate with them. We're pleased to be part of this industry syndicate check out all the podcasts on industrysyndicate.com and be sure to go through that by the way we got a lot of feedback on the recruiting and cultivating leadership the last month go back and listen to those podcasts those are getting downloaded and shared not quite like anything we've had here recently so go back and listen to them if you haven't already done so had a great lineup of guests helping you to recruit the right people and when we first organized that series i was thinking with the market we need to recruit how do we recruit what's the best practices and now interest rates have climbed up and it's almost on the other side who do we keep on the team if we have to downsize it all so that's uh, great information, and uh, be sure to go back and listen to it. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America, as well as the NASA, whose Fusion Mortgage Bot Solution has created an experience that powerfully helps lenders connect and simplify the borrowing experience, streamlining processes for their employees. Uh, great company, and be sure to check out the Fusion Mortgage Bot Solution at the Finastra.com website. Also, Lenders One and Mortgage Collaborative supplied to be a part of both of these co-ops. They're a smaller group of companies, of like-sized companies, getting together, meeting and talking about best practices. Both of them do this. They have a slightly different focus and encourage you to check out. We're members of both of them. See value in both of these organizations. So check out LendersOne.com as well as the Mortgage Collaborative. Also, Community Mortgage Lenders of America. Pleased to be a part of that organization. Also, Alice's Old Company, Indicom, partners with lenders and servicers and mortgage insurers and title insurance companies to achieve one specific goal, and that's to help them grow. Looking at all the various services, check out Indicom, I-N-D-E-C-O-M-M.com. Check that out, as well as Incelerate, 
Josh Friend has this company called Incelery. We love what they do because it helps you radically change the process of how you communicate and engage borrowers. The wisdom from that podcast that we recorded back on August 17th is just getting downloaded and shared like crazy. And then also when you're training people, consider the Knowledge Group solution. If you're looking at recruiting, be sure to use Mobility MMI, Mortgage Market Intelligence, as well as Modix. Both of these companies complement each other. And uh, while they're direct competitors, they do a great job of really helping you zone in on the right talent for your company. So it fits nicely in with our series that we did over the last month. And also, special thanks to Alice, Alan, and Matt for their contributions each and every week. Let's get over to Rob Van Raphorst with this week's Mortgage Minute. Hi, I'm Rob Van Rapworth. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last week, HUD Secretary Marsha Fudge issued a statement on the health of the Mutual Mortgage Insurance Fund and the department's decision to not change FHA premiums in the near future. In her decision, she cited uncertainties in the upcoming year regarding the financial impact of delinquencies related to the pandemic. MBA's Bob Brooksmith issued a statement of support. Also last week, the U.S. Supreme Court issued a unanimous decision regarding the Telephone Consumer Protection Act's automatic telephone dialing system definition. In its decision, the court determined that under the TCPA, a device must have the capacity to use a random or sequential number generator to either store or produce phone numbers to be called. This is a big victory for MBA, who has advocated for the last several years to establish a clear and statutory appropriate definition of auto dialer. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining me. Well, that's a good one. We needed that. Dear God, we needed that. That I love what the MBA does. They find causes. They they're strong advocates. They do a great job on the Hill. But you can help them by also getting in and having the Mortgage Action Alliance app on your phone, the MAW app, Mortgage Action Alliance. And you can have your voice heard there. They make it so easy for you. So check out the MBA. Of course, you should become a member of the MBA. And uh, love Rob's update. So thank you, MBA. Appreciate all that you do for our industry. And guess what? We're going to have our annual conference live. All get together again in San Diego. It's hard to believe that's going to be around the corner. We're in April, but it's going to be a blink and we'll be there the way things are going. So let's get over to Les Parker's TM Spotlight and this week's Macro View of the Markets. TM Spotlight Soundbite is brought to you by Power Seller, making hedging easy. They shut down the growing boom. It died with an awful sound. Countries and states with draconian lockdown allowed COVID to live in the dark. The economic recovery remains fragile with unevenness and bottlenecks like the Suez Canal blockage. It takes over eight weeks to get supply chains back to normal. After a century... Are the Roaring Twenties ready to roar back? U.S. crude oil and gasoline inventories are trending lower, while U.S. gasoline demand continues to recover. Will we be smoked by the price rise? These views are my own. Want more? Go to tmspotlight.com. Yeah, very good job. He did Dracula very well, I'd say. Very good, Les Parker. Appreciate that. You can sign up for his newsletter, TM Spotlight, and you can subscribe for free 
to Les's newsletter. Many of our listeners are, and I'm getting a lot of great feedback on it. If you insert the word, you get the paid version for free. If you put the word power for power seller in the promotional code. So be sure to put that in there. So it is very, very, very good. So love having Matt Graham with us and uh, mbslive.net. And unfortunately, he cannot be here. So he sent us an update by recording. So let's get over to the update for Matt and what's going on with the financial markets. Matt. Hey, everybody. Matt Graham, MBS Live here with you on April 5th, 2021. Bonds are doing fairly well today and had a reasonably uneventful week last week. The big news was the jobs report on Friday afternoon, much, much stronger than expected. Not only that, but the internal components were very strong and interesting for that matter. One of the internal components we look at is the average work week. That refers to the number of hours each employee is working on average. This thing historically tends to run about 34.5 to 34.6 hours each week. And the forecast for the most recent report was for 34.7. It came in all the way up at 34.9. We've only seen numbers that high one other time, and that was also after COVID as Employers are having fewer employees do more work for a variety of reasons, but either way, each tenth of an hour speaks to hundreds of thousands of jobs worth of pent-up labor market demand that could theoretically return to the labor market by the time people are, A, more comfortable coming back to work, and B, the vaccination situation and reopening situation in various states gets more back to normal, I guess. So it is definitely a big positive for the labor market, and historically that has been very negative for the bond market. But what we saw on Friday was fairly limited in terms of the selling pressure. It really only got yields back up to those seen on the afternoon of the 31st, so that was Wednesday, and very limited damage relative to what we would expect based on past precedent. Other data in the previous week Home prices surged immensely, the highest on record for FHFA and the highest since before the financial crisis for Case-Shiller. And those were both over 10% year over year. FHFA in particular was 12% year over year. So pretty staggering there. MBA applications ticked down both for purchases and refis, fairly nominally though. ADP employment did not foreshadow the NFP gain. Uh, a lot of times it does, sometimes it doesn't. Last week it didn't. Came in at 517 versus 550. Chicago PMI definitely coming in hot, 66.3 versus 60.7. Pending sales, big drop, 110 versus previous reading of 123.4. And that was a 10% decline and uh, the lowest reading in a while, back to pre-COVID highs essentially. And uh, really blame it on inventory because purchase demand hasn't slowed down based on anecdotal reports from the MBS Live community. ISM manufacturing, very strong, 64.7 versus 61.3 forecast. That is a closely followed report and says good things about the health of the economy. In the week ahead, we have not as much data for sure. ISM non-manufacturing is already out, also coming in hot, 63.7 versus forecast for 59.0. And the price is paid component of that, which sort of can track inflation depending on whom you ask, and it ticked up to the highest level since 2008. So inflationary pressures are building there, but they really aren't a big concern for bond markets based on what we've seen in terms of inflation break-evens 
and that refers to Treasury inflation-protected securities and the inflation implied by TIPS, which is Treasury inflation-protected securities. TIPS yields versus 10-year yields gives us an implied inflation reading, and that has not been moving up nearly as fast as 10-year yields themselves so far in 2021. We definitely do see a correlation between those inflation break-evens and the real rates, as you say, but not one that is signaling investors are alarmed about inflation. Could that change? Certainly, there is some concern about that among a meaningful portion of the market, but it would require a sustained inflation uptick, and most of the market is pretty comfortable with the understanding that the upcoming reports are going to be big because they're going to be based on months from 2020 that were very, very low in terms of inflation. So that's going to provide for a big year-over-year reading, and that will be temporary. Once that gets caught up in two to three months, then we will get a better idea of how inflation is really progressing post-pandemic. Thursday is just jobless claims, and then Friday is just the only inflation report of the week, which is just the producer price index, producer prices for final demand, and it is not necessarily a closely followed report. It tends not to move markets. So really very light calendar in terms of economic data for the coming week. In terms of trading levels, we're still watching 1.75% in 10-year yields. That continues to be a potential ceiling, although we've traded over that a little bit here and there. We held under that for the most part last week. We're starting out under that this week. 10-year yields trading unchanged at 1.72 right now. And if they can continue under 1.75, and especially if we can make some faster progress back toward lower levels, it would bode well for the bigger picture and it would suggest a sideways consolidation, some more stability in the bond market. And it's more worth noting that we have tried to do this a few times, most recently at 1.62, and that didn't turn out very well. But the higher we go, the better the odds are that we're going to be able to stabilize and catch a break. There's no guarantee that this is going to be that time, but it is a better chance than we had at 1.62. If it's not 1.75, we'll turn our attention to the next levels, 1.88, 1.95, and uh, hope not to cross those bridges until and unless we come to them. That said, it would not be a surprise. It should probably be our baseline that we will come to those eventually, as long as the post-COVID economy is even remotely as strong as it is supposed to be. So... With that in mind, how soon do we get there and why would we even talk about a bounce or a consolidation? Simply put, because rates have been moving higher with such purpose in 2021 that we would expect some reprieve soon. That could last a couple weeks, could even last a month or two. And in that case, we would see yields in some sort of sideways to slightly stronger range for a little bit and then ultimately expect them to push higher by the end of the year. That's going to do it for this week. Be back with you next week. And although I know Dave is definitely going to remind you guys, keep in mind, Licking on Lending listeners, get a free double-time trial without any credit card requirement on mbslive.net. When you see the purchase code field, just type in LOL for Licking on Lending. That will double your free time and greatly speed up the trial registration process. Good job. Appreciate it, Matt. Thank you for offering that special to our listeners. Take advantage of this. I have Matt's screen behind me all the time. MBS Live has got so much great information on here, and I'm sure you will find it as valuable as I do. Thank you so much, Matt. 
Again, he's the founder and CEO of MBS Live. Check it out at mbslive.net. Appreciate it. Alice Alvey is here with us. Good to have you here. Alice is CMB Vice President of Education Training at Union Home Mortgage. Alice, did you have a good Easter? I did. We had a wonderful Easter. The weather was beautiful. It was quiet mm-hmm. with just Andy and I and my mom, and it was wonderful. Oh, good. Well, that's so wonderful. You have those quiet ones. That's good. What you got for us? I think when you were talking just before the pre-program, you go, Dave, I got a lot of information to cover. So let's get right into it. Thanks, Alice. Yeah, I normally like to kind of keep it to three topics because otherwise I know all of you listening might go, okay, I'm losing her. But I will still try and kind of keep it summarized here so it's easy to follow. First of all, I want to follow up a little bit on what Rob mentioned for the MBA and uh, Marsha Fudge's statement on the state of the mutual mortgage insurance fund and there's no plan to decrease the premium. I think what I love about those quarterly reports that I really recommend lenders check out is Take a look at the credit score information and the trends and the DTIs. This is super helpful, I think, to understand if your underwriting, especially your manual underwriting, is on track with where HUD's overall portfolio is. Certainly, we can see that with our neighborhood watch numbers with what's already definitely causing us trouble. But I like to watch this to see overall historically where are we with the credit score ranges that HUD has in their portfolio. And so we've been watching this for years. And what really still stands out for me is that 500 to 619 credit bucket. Now, granted, we don't touch 500 credit scores, but that 619, 600 for Mm -hmm. so many years, and especially old school underwriters, was a real sweet spot for FHA stuff where maybe your borrower had gotten back on their feet in the last 12 months and met all of FHA's criteria, but still didn't cross over into that better credit score range. And that bucket just keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And so even though it's completely out of where it used to be, where it used to be 25% of HUD's portfolio, it's just noteworthy for those of you who are still doing manual underwriting, there's no correction there in any way as we saw some improvements in the market uh, recently. Same with DTI, sticking right there around that 43. So I recommend checking out that quarterly version as well as the annual report. There is way too much dependent on COVID to be able to try and predict reducing the MMI premium right now. So even though HUD says it's not off the table, they might look at it in the future. A true salesperson would be going, does that mean next month? And the answer is no. Okay, then <laughs> yep. it's off the table this month. What about next month or next quarter? Next. Stop it. It's going to take another annual report a little bit further into the impact of the vaccine unemployment and the COVID unemployment numbers. There's just got to be a lot more stability because if you know anything about these reports, they're trying to look ahead for many years to make sure they keep that capital ratio. And uh, there's a lot of assumption in those reports. So just a, a quick heads up on that. I think that's always helpful for people to check out. The real big news happened when Freddie issued their bulletin about the investment properties and second homes. And if you mm-hmm. read this closely, essentially it means Freddie's not taking them. So there's no manual underwriting of second homes or investments effective May 1st. As of April 15th, all LP second homes and investment properties will receive their yellow high likelihood of caution, basically ineligible rating. All that are submitted to their system after April 15th will get this rating. So it didn't appear like you could enter your key number from a previous run to keep your accept. So just a real big heads up 
that if you've got a loan Mark Freddie only for some other underwriting criteria for an investment property, second home, you got a real short window here to try and get that mm. closed and delivered because it's not going to be application date. So it's a big issue. And of course, no heads up that we were going to be limited to one agency. And we'll just keep watching this issue. The Urban Institute, who does a lot of great writing on this, uh, did file uh, a critique on this. And they stated an interesting fact that I wasn't aware of that one to four family units make up half of all rental units, according to the Urban mm-hmm. Institute. I thought that was super interesting. That when is. you think of all the multifamily that's out there, over five and above commercial, I didn't realize one to four was that big of a market share. So thank you, Mortgage News Daily, Jan Swanson, for getting us connected. You can find the link to the Urban Institute's response from that article. The other big thing was the QM. So this, this whole thing, right, with Fannie and Freddie and the 7% revolves around their preferred stock purchases agreement. There's mm-hmm. a lot in that PSPA and with that is QM. So right now we have a proposed rule. You need to comment on it by today. It expires today to chime in on the revised QM rule that does away with the 43% and does away with Appendix Q. We all love that. We want that gone. We're totally in favor with this new QM rule that really just has us focus on it. If you're <laughs> APOR, uh, 2.5% above the APR. So anyway, if you're violating the APR rate, uh, you've got the challenge of now you trigger a QM, which we're all used to. You just get some programming. The CFPB postponed this until October 1st of 2022. Great. We got all kinds of time to implement this. The challenge is, is in Fannie and Freddie's preferred stock uh, purchase agreement, it references QM. So we've got to make sure that Fannie and Freddie are okay, that they can buy these. So we're still kind of watching to make sure all of that ties together. Right, they're two technically two separate agreements between what's going on with the CFPB and they're extending the rule and making sure the GSEs are on board with that. So we will be watching that for you also this week. COVID, COVID stuff in general. COVID, we have CFPB rescinded their supervisory flexibilities. So those of you who are regulated by them, which is lots of lenders, you're not getting that extra gimme anymore because of COVID. And so that was not unexpected. We were all probably doing the best we could to stay in compliance anyway. So that wasn't as big of an impact. Other than VA, VA not extending. They rescinded their COVID flexibilities. So MBA is working with them. Uh, that was a bit of a shock. We got an extension from everybody else for at least a couple more months. And VA did not extend there. So we're hoping to get that from them. The GSE did say their adverse market fee related to COVID is going to be here till December. So don't count on that half percent going away anytime soon. So that's a lot, Dave. And on top of that, Humda was published. So 2020 yeah. Humda data to start <laughs> digesting. Lots going on right now. Make everybody's brains explode. Getting a couple questions in from listeners right out of the gate. Are you seeing changes where people are taking the FICA score and lowering it now as volume? Yeah, are lenders taking lower scores? Well, I can't speak for all lenders, right? I can just tell you what I go by and what I know is good business practices. And when I did the consulting, tell folks, you don't want to be out of the box, right? When you look at HUD's numbers and you see it's a minuscule percentage of business that is at 619 or below, do you want to really be under that microscope? So at some companies, they might do them here and there. But for me, just from a risk analysis, I could never tell somebody, yeah, that's okay. So I don't see it in an industry that for lenders who are really cautious about making sure they're in line with what HUD expects. 
Good. We are seeing some evidence of people doing that. So it's very common, although there's uh, a number of them that are, I think, going down to 600. I understand that argument, but some going below 600, that starts really getting into the point where not too sure, but there are. There are some that's going doing that. If it's a good FHA file, it meets all the other criteria, and it's just yeah. really thin credit. If you've got something to go right. on to show that they're going to pay, I love FHA for that. The challenge mm-hmm. is just how much of it, and do you have control of how much of your pipeline is going to be made up of that? That's exactly right. And the thin file is the one that I think is really you raise it's a good point. There's enough new buyers coming into the market and and a lot of the millennials who are buying homes for the first time using the FHA program, which is the purpose of that program, how it was originally designed, first time home buyers, have a thin file yeah. and they may be down in that lower end. So I think that's the right use. So having it's just it's like anything else, Alice, it's how it's administered. So thank you so much. Appreciate you being here and hopefully you can participate all the way through into when we got Mark Helm coming on a little bit later on the podcast. Thank you so much. Really value it. Alan Pollock is here. Got to catch up with Alan. Folks, this dude knows what's going on in the market, mergers and acquisitions and happenings. This guy is dialed in, and we're so fortunate to have him here giving us the tech update. Alan, great talk with you this last week, and uh, hear all that's going on. I know a lot of it we can't talk about on the podcast just yet, but a lot, lot, lot happening. So give us an update. Yeah, great to be here. And uh, I wish I knew it all, but I only know a couple fun things, but all exciting nonetheless. Point in the future, we definitely will be able to share it and it will be uh, super exciting or just old news at that point, right? Yeah. <laughs> One or the other. But you sent me a link, David, actually to a report that had some really interesting things on it, kind of like a memoriam of all the things that have occurred in the last X amount of months, mm-hmm. including some yeah. last year. And I thought that was really interesting. There was a lot on there. I get an M&A report, a lot of mergers and acquisitions, all that's going on. And it's it's pretty impressive amount of stuff that's going on. Is this considered a consolidation or just maturing of the mortgage stack? Oh, I think it's maturing. It's probably a little bit of both. It's actually funny. So I'm scrolling through my update here because one of my items in my update was uh, from the Housing Wire newsroom. Their post today suggested that there is a significant amount of M&A funding to expand the consolidation and expanding technology nationally. So mm-hmm. in the end, there's people raising capital to build their solutions. And then there's obviously capital being put into companies for acquisition purposes to expand what they have. So there's all definitely a little bit of both going on. The great thing is that we have a very fluid type of industry where there are still barriers to entry, but there's not big barriers, right? There's partnerships yep. available. We're a very open industry, right? You can register for a conference. You, you can meet everyone and we're all friendly and you can suddenly start creating partnerships and relationships. And there's what is it? There's uh, somewhere between ten and 12,000 financial institutions. Those are depositories in the industry. And then, of yeah. course, you've got on Humda, if you look at the report, there's probably six to 8,000 lenders that report to Humda. So there's lots of opportunity to get in here. So I think it's a little bit of both, David. Yep, makes sense. What do you see as some trends All going right, on? So let me alert our listeners to. Yeah, that's cool stuff. So one is a shower thought, which I read today on a newsletter I get every day. This one's great. Uh, we pay extra money to remove logos from software, but we add logos to our clothing. So I thought that was pretty good. Everybody mm-hmm. always wonders, how do I white label this software and how do I make it my own? But we all wear clothing with the labels on it and we pay more for it. So David, get this. We talk about consumer apps and spending of consumers, how we're going mobile. Well, U.S. consumer spending on iPhone apps this year or in the last 12 months, let's say, increased 38% to an average of $138. 
app intelligence firm Sensor Tower, so right, data, 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 Sensor Tower is reading all the data. They expect the number to hit 180 in 2021. So that's really quite interesting, the amount of apps we have. Some auto-renew on our phone and some we pay one times for, whether it's our family with the family share plans mm-hmm. that our, our iPhone and our Android apps give us the ability to do, but spending is up, which means usage is up and adoption is up. David, Coinbase, America's largest cryptocurrency, right? That's the big word these days, cryptocurrency. They are the largest exchange. Well, they have a date to go public, which is April 14th, and their CEO has some very interesting information that you can find online. It's kind of very trend-setting, so you want to take a look at that. But really what, what interests me or intrigued me even further was Visa They're the latest, by the way, to enter or to embrace crypto. And what they've now done, David, is they were in 2018, a $300 billion company, and all cryptocurrency was only $200 billion. Today, Visa is a $450 billion company. Cryptocurrency is $1.8 trillion. That's how much this has Exploded. exploded. So anyways, Visa, the reason why I mention it, they're coming out with a credit card that you now can use. You Basically, what happens is you make purchases on this new crypto card, and instead of converting to what's called fiat, Visa will settle the transaction using crypto.com's USDC stablecoin, which is basically pegged to the US dollar to limit volatility. And hmm. get this, it's going to be done on what's called the Ethereum blockchain. Oh, yeah. So really interesting stuff. Now, there's a lot of transactional costs. Visa is basically yeah. aggregating yeah. all of that together to lower to almost a nominal fee or no fee that transactional cost. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But get this, other announcements have been made, David, in cryptocurrency. PayPal, Fidelity, and Goldman Sachs are all entering the cryptocurrency market, as well as many others, such as BNY Mellon, BlackRock, JP Morgan Chase. So this is becoming a thing. Now, I don't think it directly affects our industry yet, just the global adoption of how money is being used and the fact that it all lives on blockchain. And we're going to be one of the best users of blockchain out there. So I just mentioned that. Plus, a lot of our mortgage real estate folks all have been very curious about cryptocurrency. And so there's your update. Black Knight Financial Solutions, BKFS. They've got a, a technology called Capture, David. We talked about it. It's their lead analytics platform, and it helps you identify loans in your servicing portfolio that are ready for refinance. Well, they've just done an update there, and they also have it integrated with Optimal Blue. So think about doing with what you already have, maintaining, sustaining, and growing relationships. And you can check it out, and now it has pricing as part of it. David, automated underwriting and real estate transactions, right? You've never heard me say that before. A company mm-hmm. called Spruce, that's like the tree, oh, yeah? Spruce, S-P-R-U-C-E. It has now mentioned, or they have now mentioned, They have an automated tool that now can provide a fully underwritten title commitment in just minutes. You can complete the title search and the underwriting, fundamentally changing the way transactions are processed today. How cool is that, right? Very innovative. Yeah. So uh, fintech uh, firm Plaid, we know, they just raised $13 billion. uh, Well, they're raising new money at a $13 billion valuation. There's no transaction completed. But remember, this comes after the Department of Justice killed the $5.3 billion deal with Visa. And apparently mm-hmm. the reason why is just because of anti-competition rules, the fact that there's this new valuation and they're looking for cash. So obviously Plaid is continuing to expand. They're looking to do more. So if you have $13 billion laying around, or if you want to be part of that valuation, uh, you want to check out Plaid. And David, this is super, super important. And I wanted to stay on the topic. Next week, we're going to talk about, just in case you happen to 
end the listening to our podcast right before I talk about what's called feedback to feature, how to pivot based on customer needs, how to do it and how to use it, meaning when your customers ask for something, how do you change your technology, knowing we're so consumer-focused and so based on user experience. But let's talk about product principles. So what we have this week, David, are six really quick things. They're not long. And, you know, we talked about last week about gamification. Well, let's talk about what those actual details are. When you're thinking about your product, whether it's internal users, you're working with your vendor, you want to think of these these really quick things. Number one, you want to tell users what to think. You don't want to have to think about, do they match what it is that you've provided? You should know what the market is you're, you're attaining, and you should understand how they think and tell them what they need. You should minimize the cognitive load to that user. Don't overload them with too much to see. Make it really easy and simple. Add white space. White space is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. You want to have click activity. Everything should be within three clicks maximum. You shouldn't have anything that's more than three clicks. In addition, you want to have a reversible design. So you should be able to undo any action that you've made. There should be little X's or delete buttons or undos. That's a great point. You also want to use verbs. So that reversible design is super important. You want to use verbs or context. Instead of just saying yes or no, say yes, delete this message. Let your users understand what they're clicking on. And the last one is don't be too disruptive with too many options. Again, I mentioned white space earlier. Use that white space. So we'd be more than happy to talk about these in more detail, but those are product principles, and that's how to attain and maintain your user experience. You know who does a really good job of that is Form Brent Chandler, the way they do a great job. They they really did a great job designing that website. Alice, you had a great comment. You texted me about agencies and crypto. Talk about it real quickly. Sure. Yeah. So since uh, you were bringing up about uh, cryptocurrency becoming uh, at least a little more mainstream and uh, again in the headlines, Danny and Freddie did issue guidance about this to explain a large deposit, so to speak, if someone did cash in cryptocurrency and is using that for funds to close. The challenge is that how do you verify ownership, right? They want the full paper trail that the borrower actually owned the cryptocurrency. It's got to be liquidated. So usually you're saying prior to underwriting, I need to see the paper trail, which means the borrower is liquidating it early because that's what the agencies want. So I just wondered if folks have an idea on how this is going to happen. I would love to see how secret currency gets verified that you're the owner. <laughs> I don't know enough about it to know right. how that's going to yeah. happen. <laughs> well, I think what it goes to is definitely people are recognizing this crypto thing is just, it's real, it's here. But then how much do we require? So they obviously, by asking for that, trade a lack of knowledge about what's going on. But I understand the requirement. We have to talk more on this crypto thing. That is going to be feeling into it. But I look like the blockchain. That's what Brent is doing over there at FormFree, giving them two shots out here on the podcast. So good job. Very good. Thanks, Alice, for sending that over. And Alan, thank you so much for bringing us an update. Good job. Well, that wraps up, everybody. The first half, again, that we divide the podcast into two segments. The first part is what we just completed is the mortgage update. Next week, we got Kevin Crichton coming on. We're going to be focusing on position yourself for a post-pandemic industry in 2021. Kevin's been in the industry for a long, long time. Anyone who knows Kevin Crichton, he is a, a true leader and a true forward thinker. And I can't wait to get his thoughts next week on the podcast. Say a special thank you to our sponsors, Finastra, CMLA, Indicom, Incelerate, Mobility, MMI, as well as Modex, the MBA, Knowledge Coop, Lenders One, 
and the Mortgage Collaborative. Thanks so much, everybody, for being on the podcast today. Share this around, and we look forward to having you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.